Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, December 20th, 2021. Well, a few years ago now, my family and I moved from California to Idaho. And well, we weren't the only ones, right? Obviously, we came with a group of people to plant a church, but there are a lot of people moving to Idaho right now. Uh, The Treasure Valley is one of the fastest growing communities in the entire country. And so as you see people move here, you, you see this thing happen where somebody comes to Idaho and they discover what a great place it is. And even they figure out that it's it's a kind of a greatness that you have to search out, that, that there's more to discover about this great new place in which they live. And what naturally happens is as they discover more of the greatness of their new home, they want to tell others about it. They want to proclaim the greatness of this new place uh, that they have found. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Idaho is pretty great, but it pales in comparison to the greatest thing of all, and that really is God. And we see as we learn him, there's always more to explore. There's always more greatness to unpack, and that should motivate us to praise and worship him. And we'll see that today in Psalm 145 and verses 1 through 7. And as we look at these verses, you're going to see this idea. Let's just read those seven verses together. It says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness And shall sing aloud of your righteousness. So there you see these ideas. Uh, It talks about his greatness is unsearchable, right? And as great as Idaho is, or maybe you love wherever you live, if you live outside of Idaho, uh, and you might even think that there's a greatness there that has to be searched out, right? There's more to be explored. But every place on earth, at some point, you're going to have searched it out. You're going to have. seen everything there is to see. Uh, But with God, you never reach that point. His greatness is unsearchable. And and you even get a sense of different aspects of his greatness as you read this passage. You, You get the aspects really just of his greatness on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. You think of the visions we see in scripture of the Lord and just how regal and majestic and awesome uh, those are presented so much so that people often fall on their faces. You think of his mighty acts parting the Red Sea, all the miracles uh, that he accomplished for his people. But also you look at things like verse 7, they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, that we serve a God who is good. We serve a God who is generous, and there's always reason to worship him. 
So I hope this psalm kind of just refreshes your awe for God because maybe you've read through the Bible before. I mean, for some of you, maybe this is the first time you're getting close to having read through the whole Bible. Some of you, maybe you've read the Bible many times. It's important for us to remember, even though we might have read the whole Bible, we have not searched out the greatness of God. There is always more to explore. So I hope even as you prepare yourself for another year of Bible study and going to church and all these things, you would realize, well, I can be excited about all of that because there is more to learn. There is more to know about God. And that then there should also be no end to our worship because we serve a God who is great and greatly to be praised. And we should be able to say, I will bless your name, God, forever and ever. And hopefully those are thoughts that inspire us today from our reading, thoughts that stir our hearts really to the greatness and the majesty of God. And we should desire other people to experience that. And that really brings us to the familiar story of Jonah. Now, if you're going to pick one of these, what we call the minor prophets, that people are going to know the most, it's going to be the prophet Jonah. Because, you know, it, it's one of those stories that works with a children's Bible a little better. Guy gets swallowed by fish for three days and spat out, right? That, that I can tell that to my kids. You know, Hosea, guy marries a prostitute and has to redeem her out of prostitution. Eh, maybe not as family friendly, but Jonah tells this memorable story and we remember the details of him running away from God. We remember the details of him being swallowed by the fish, but sometimes we don't remember why uh, he was so angry, and why he avoided Nineveh. Even as you look at chapter 4, when Nineveh repents, when they turn from their sin, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Right? Lots of times we think, well, why did Jonah run? Was he scared or what was going on? Well, no, he didn't want these people to be forgiven. And he knew that if he went there and he preached to them that they would repent because really he knew that God was gracious and he didn't want these people to experience that grace. And I do think that's something we need to learn from the book of Jonah is that is not the right heart towards others. And there might be people that you can relate to uh, with, with Jonah about that, where you look at certain groups of people and you feel that anger. And if you had to be honest with yourself, you would say, yeah, I don't want to see them repent. I want them to see judgment, right? Because I so resent maybe even legitimately wicked things that, that they do. That's a good reminder for us to have a heart of compassion and to praise God for being, as Jonah says, a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And we need to desire that for other people around us. Because if we stop, uh, one thing that I think we are revealing about ourselves is that we're forgetting how gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster God has been towards us. We need to really beware a mindset where we subtly start to think that we deserve that kindness and other people don't. 
Um, That is a dangerous place to be, and it will probably lead to anger and resentment like we see here uh, from Jonah at the end of the story of the book of Jonah, when he confesses this anger to God and God explains, hey, you should have compassion. And he even explains, should I not pity Nineveh? And may our hearts always have a measure of pity for the lost around us. Next, let's move on to the two books we're reading right now that were written by the Apostle John. First, the Gospel of John in verses or chapter 18, verses 25 through 32. And here we see Peter deny Jesus again twice, but then we see Peter before Pilate. And again, this is fresher on my memory, having preached through this. And one thing that stood out uh, in this is that interaction between Pilate and uh, the Jewish religious leaders where Pilate goes outside and he says to them, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And what I think you really see here is you see kind of a power play from Pontius Pilate. Um, The Jewish leaders, they just want him to put his stamp of approval and just Uh, give them a blank check to do whatever they think they need to do. But Pilate, he kind of flexes. And in verse 31, when he says, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law, it's kind of, he's saying that knowing why they can't do that, but he's kind of putting it in their face saying, oh, oh, he's done something bad. Well, why don't you take him? And then they have to say, well, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So he's he's flexing his political muscles. He's reminding them, hey, you can't do what you want to do without me. But in the midst of this political power play, verse 32 comes in, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. The leaders of the world argue and flex their political muscles. Meanwhile, God is accomplishing exactly what he said would happen. What an amazing thing showing God's sovereignty even over these wicked rulers. Finally, we look at Revelation 17, verses 1 through 6, and here we meet this great prostitute, and it says on her forehead, there's this name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And uh, as you look at some of the imagery here, uh, there's lots of different ideas. Is this something specific? Uh, This woman, is it a specific city? Is it a specific nation? Is it more generally talking about um, kind of the world's system? And I don't think I'm going to settle the debate on that for all time here today. But some things I would encourage you to note uh, in verse four, it says the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of, of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was it written a name of mystery, Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and the earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And so there we do see a couple things. One thing that is clearly attached to this woman, Babylon, the great is sexual immorality. And another thing that's attached to her is a hatred for the people of Jesus Christ. And so, again, I think there's a moral component that we need to make sure we draw from this. 
um, right? Uh, that sexual immorality is clearly something that is tied with evil. And here, even in this eschatological passage, in this imagery of this woman, this great prostitute, right, is that imagery of really the sin of sexual immorality. And so that's something we need to consider in our own hearts. That is a way that God has called us to be pure in the midst of this world. And we should remember the calls of Scripture to not even have a hint of sexually Im- sexual immorality among us. And for us to guard our own hearts, to guard our eyes, to guard our actions uh, against this thing for which the judgment of God is clearly going to come. And the world wants to attract us with all of its abominations and with its immoralities, but God is so much greater. Let us remember where we started this morning, that we serve a God whose greatness is unsearchable. And let us think of the abundance of his goodness and pursue him today instead of anything that the world has to offer. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you.